All right. So listen, we're going to finish the, the series uh, on community. Uh, we've got a Father's Day message next week. Then we've got a graduation uh, message in a couple of weeks with Pastor Mike. We've got a special guest speaker in two weeks. Pastor Mike is our special guest speaker in two weeks. Tell your friends. We're pumped about that. Um, and then after that, we're going to start a new summer series in the book of Acts. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit the whole summer. We're just going to look at the Holy Spirit and how he worked through the early church, through the book of Acts. So we're just going to go through the book of Acts and look at the Holy Spirit and how he wants to empower your life and what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And uh, because it is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So he does have a purpose and a work in our lives. And, uh, and so we're excited about those uh, series of messages and that will start in the summer. So as, we've been, as we finish up this series... On community, we looked at who the church is, what is the church, how do I function as the church. We, we've all come to the understanding that the church is made up of individuals who've been called out of the world and now belong to the body of Christ. And as Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, uh, you know, th- this church here was in a very pagan uh, city, uh, very, a lot of immorality around them. And Paul wrote some very practical things to this body of believers on how they are to live amongst a people who don't know God and a people who do need to know the Lord and have a relationship with him. And so he got very practical on, on how we're supposed to live holy lives, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And also he said, here's how your marriages are, are to operate within the context of the church. How does a marriage look? What is God's design for marriage? So whether or not you're single here today, you're looking for a mate, you've been, uh, you've been married what seems like forever, uh, to some of you, uh, we can all learn something here. And I believe that a healthy marriage equals a healthy church. And I believe when, when, when you can go home and you feel like your relationship with your spouse, and all of us have our issues, none of it's perfect. It's a constant work that we need to constantly maintain. And I think sometimes that's the one thing we don't look at. We, we, we maintain everything else, our jobs, maybe our health. We look at all these other things. But the one thing that sometimes gets put on the back burner is our relationship with the most important relationship that God has placed in our life, and that's with our spouse. So hopefully this is a wake-up call. Now let me, just, let me just give a disclaimer, okay, right off the bat. I, I'm a man. I'm a guy. So when I speak, I'm speaking from a guy's point of view. So for some of you guys, if you feel like I'm a little rough on you, I don't mean to be rough on you, but what I'm saying, I'm speaking from a guy's perspective. And as you're going to see in the scripture today, and in chapter 5, Paul spends three quarters of his time speaking to men and about a quarter speaking to the women for a reason. And we're going to look at that today. So it seems like I'm speaking more to men today. It's for a reason because the scripture speaks to that as men being the caregiver, the overseer, and the head of that married relationship. So that's why Paul spends a little more time speaking to men on what they need to do. And we're going to answer your question, because some of you here today are wondering, well, what what do I do if my husband's not doing that? We're going to answer that. Uh, We're going to have a little Q&A and answer some of your questions uh, at the end of the service today. So I hope that's beneficial uh, to you. So last week, what we did was we looked at what a covenant marriage should look like. We all understand that marriage is more than contractual. It's more than a piece of paper. It's more than a ring on your finger. Actually, the Bible calls marriage a covenant, which is a much higher standard. And what I encouraged you last week, are we speaking that covenantal marriage to our spouses? We understand that Jesus made a covenant with us before God through his own blood. He sacrificed his life for you and I, and he speaks covenantal language to us through his sacrifice by saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing will separate you from my love. Why? Because Jesus literally gave his life for that covenant. It was much more than words. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. That's the same language that Paul will use here in chapter 5. 
It's a sacrificial type of language. It's a giving of oneself type of language. It's so much more than just you have 50% 50 of this relationship. I have 50% of this relationship. This is mine and this is mine. Let, Let me just, I'm just, this just popped in my head. So I apologize right in front. It just popped right there. And I'm just going to say it, okay? Listen, some of you in your married relationship, and this is probably from the Holy Spirit, so I'll just blame it on the Holy Spirit right now, okay? Some of you in your married relationships, you treat it more as this partnership where this is mine and this is mine and I've got my job and you've got your job and I've got my money tucked over here and you've got your money tucked over here and I have my own separate checking account and and you have your own separate checking account and I won't tell you what to do and I won't tell you what to do over here and we can just, no. It's dangerous, I'm just telling you. You know the latest trends in building now? Latest trends in builders is for couples to have separate master bedrooms. That's just two people just living together. That's not a marriage. That's not a covenant marriage. Let me just say this. Do everything possible. And I'm going to tick some of you off right off the bat. That's real good, Pastor. Tick us off right off the bat. Right off the beginning of the message. Just tick me right off, you know. Listen, do everything possible to blend the relationship to become one. The minute you start separating everything, this is mine, this is yours, what you're doing is it's not a union. It's not a oneness. It becomes this separate relationship that you're just tolerating each other, and then eventually you'll just separate. So some of you need to talk about that. What are we doing to blend our marriages together where it's a sharing, it's a communication, it's, it's not this, this is mine and this is yours, but this is ours together that the Lord is blessing us together and that we can talk about these things together. Please, please do that because I think what the Lord wants to do in your relationship is blend you together, not pull you apart, not to separate you, not to hide things from each other and, 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 and thus bring uh, just mistrust within the relationship. So just, just something to pray about, okay? Just something to think about, okay? Just threw that out there. Okay, you still love me? All right, I still love you guys. Okay, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we're going to see what Paul has to say here. And, uh, and we're going to, last week we talked about the covenant marriage. This week we're going to talk about submission in marriage. And uh, let's see what he says. He starts in verse 21. So let's get the context here because many times we like to jump right into verse 22. Okay, let's back up. Beep, beep, beep. Let's back up into verse 21 and get the full context of the message here, okay? Verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for, everybody say it together, Christ. Okay, so ultimately, who are we submitting to? We're submitting to Christ and what he's done for us. He gave his life for us. He, he literally took on sin for us. He bore our sin for us. We can trust Jesus with our very life. So, so we can submit to him because we can trust him because we know he loves us. Wives, verse 22, wives submit to your husband as to the, as to the, okay. And we're going to talk about that. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands. Now he goes into the husbands. Notice notice the context here of this end of the chapter, how much time he talks to the husbands. He said, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her, by washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, uh, he who loves himself, man, I really need to eat glasses. In the same way, this writing looks like it's just like chicken scratching. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become what? One flesh. One, one, united. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about 
Christ in the church, however, each of you, each one of you should also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so right off the bat, when I begin to read this verse, some of you, your radars go off right away. And, and I know this verse probably uh, is one of the most misunderstood and misused and misquoted verses probably in the whole Bible because the word submit causes some to cringe and cry out sextus or male chauvinist. But what is the true meaning behind these verses? And I want to look into it. First, let's understand what it does not mean. Here's what this verse does not mean. It doesn't mean that the men or the husbands are to be the boss of their wives. Not like a a boss at work. Not like Archie Bunker in the sitcom All in the Family. All right, That's not how it works. You call your wife a dingbat, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. Okay, We don't do that. That's not correct. That's not the right example that we follow. We are not the boss of our wives where they they just, you, you sit in your chair and they put your slippers on your feet and hand you your stogie and then you just yell at her. That, that's not the way it works. So we're not the boss of the wife. Husbands are not to boss them like a, to, to delegate jobs like an employer or an employee relationship. That's not what Paul's talking about. The husbands are not the boss. They are the head or the covering of this covenant relationship. So they're the head and the covering of this relationship. The men are to be the head of their family. So what we're looking at here is the husband is the head. They are to follow the example of Archie Bunker. No, they're to follow the example of Christ and what Jesus did for us. Jesus doesn't boss us around. He will not force us to follow him. He leads us by example. Jesus always led by example. He didn't mandate things. He didn't force things. He said, listen, if you want to be a servant, let me show you what it means to be a servant. And what did he do? He washed the feet of the disciples. He literally went to the cross for us, serving us. He said, I didn't come into this world to be served. I came into this world to serve, to be a servant to give my life for you. That's the greatest example that we can follow in the personhood of Christ. Jesus laid his life down for us. He showed us by becoming a servant. He willingly, willingly, he didn't have to, he willingly laid his rights down and was obedient to the Father. So let's understand here, the all-encompassing idea I want you to get about submission is a voluntary willingness to lay your rights down. Listen, if you don't get this principle in your Christian walk, you will have a very difficult Christian walk because you will believe that Jesus revolves around your orbit, not us around his. And so you've got to understand is when I come to the cross of Jesus Christ, I lay my rights down and I choose to follow him, not because he coerced me, not because he beats me into submission, but because he led me by example through his love and by his willingness to serve us when we were unservable. Now, this is going to get tough because some of you are here today and you're saying, man, pastor, that's great if you're spouse is serving the Lord. That's easy to do. But you know what? We still should do it. And some of you here are thinking today, well, how can I still serve my spouse when he's not serving them? You still serve them because ultimately, who are you serving? You're serving the Lord. And you know what? When you begin to do that, it will show you how important it is that you're serving the Lord ultimately because it doesn't necessarily come back to benefit you. Do you think anything Jesus did came back to benefit him? He, do, he totally did it as a sacrifice. So when you serve someone who is unservable, you're ultimately serving the Lord. Does that mean you become a doormat? And that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about those things that are going to hurt you or cause, cause you to sin. But I'm talking about serving p- people that are unservable, even in, a, in an unbalanced married relationship. You still have to 
serve as you're serving the Lord. And I know it's not easy. I know you may not get kickbacks for it or accolades for it, but, but Jesus still served us even when we didn't serve him, even when we didn't love him. Jesus still laid his life down for us. So what Paul uses here is a pattern in his message here in these scriptures between Christ and the church as an example for our marriages. So what I want you to understand here is Christ is the overall head of our marriages. And what the husband is to do is the caretaker of that covenant relationship. A, cov- a, a, a husband is to care and to lead into submission to Christ. Now, I want you to listen carefully here. The husband is the head of the wife. This doesn't mean that men are over all women. If, you're, if you have a, a woman that is your boss and your employer, guess what? You submit to that authority over you as you're submitting unto the Lord. Amen? So husband, the husband's responsibility is to care for his wife, to protect her, to cover just as Christ does the church. Now, I have a, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and Lily is under my covering. I am to protect her. God forbid that she would submit to any man. Are you hearing me? Dads with daughters. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Holy Spirit's coming down. Okay. Listen, as the dad, as the father, I am to protect her. And that's why I'm getting my boys lifting weights now because she's got two older brothers. Okay. So you got three of us to get through if you want to date my daughter. You got son number one and you got son number two. And you got a dad, number three, with a nine millimeter Glock in his back. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. So, okay, just teasing. Okay. So, I am to protect her from any boy who wants to come alongside of her and set the agenda for her life and try to become her head and set the identity for her or try to hurt her or abuse her. I'm to be careful of that. So that doesn't mean you just submit to anybody. We're to respect those that are over us. We're to respect our leaders, uh, those that are in authority over us. And, he, and the Bible is very clear on that, that God sets up those that are authority over us. We're supposed to respect those. But that doesn't mean just because we see this verse in here that women are just blindly just submit to every man that comes on. That's not what it's talking about. We are to protect our wives. We're to protect our children. They are to be under are covering. I love this illustration. I've shared this with you before, but I just love this illustration. There's a pastor in Costa Rica, and his daughter was getting married. And what he did was he had, I don't know if I can open this thing. He had an umbrella during the, this is your umbrella that you left out in the hallway. I'll give it back to you after. I just said, find me an umbrella, Tom. What he did was, and he just found me this umbrella. So this is yours. I'm just using it for an illustration. Um, because I would have had a Syracuse umbrella. But anyways, um, what he did was, as he walked down the aisle, he was bringing his daughter down the aisle, and the husband's at the front. Basically, this is what he did. He had an umbrella, literally had an umbrella, and he's walking down the aisle with his bride, with the bride-to-be, with his daughter. And he came up, and then when he got to the point where the father was to hand the daughter off to his son, future-to-be son-in-law, he hand the umbrella un- unto him, and he says, you are now her covering. I thought, what a great illustration of that covering. I was her covering. I took care of her. You guys fell in love. I didn't like that, but that's all right. It happens. You know, I know she's going to get married one day. And uh, now she is under your, I give her to you to be under your authority, under your covering. So I want you to think of the umbrella when you think of that covering. Ultimately, that's the covering that the husband is to have as we are covered under Christ and who he is for us. In the marriage relationship, it's no different. We are to protect our wives. It's our responsibility to shelter her. This is not a domineering marriage by one person. It's self-sacrificing marriage. So what, what's the problem today? What's the problem we see in our culture today? We see a mockery of this covering. The dads, as you see on television or whatever it may be, they're, they're made to look like doofuses, 
Uh, that's an 80s word. It just means doofus. I don't know what it means. It just means to look like an idiot. Um, they're made to look like a fool or wimpy or stupid, not having a clue. Um, husbands are not seen as the leader. Many times they're seen as a fool many times. The closest thing I could think of a, of a husband that actually did it right was Cliff Huxtable on the, on the Cosby show. I mean, it's just hard to find a good role model when you look at the television or in our culture today. The bottom line is Christ is the head of the church, and we don't vote on this. The Bible tells us that the, that the husband is the head of the wife, period. We, we don't take a vote on this. We don't say, okay, do I like this? Because if I don't like it, we're not going to do it. There's no vote. It, it, it's done. This is the way God has established it. Men are to take the lead in their homes. Men are to lead spiritually. They are to protect, provide. The man is to take responsibility for leading his family. Now, the question is, is this. How are we doing at these things? Are we doing a good job? Are we doing a poor job? Are we doing our part? You know, we, we can waste our time about arguing whether or not the man should, should be the head of his family. Um, he is. He needs to be the head. End of debate. How, how are we, we doing there? And I, I, I want to challenge you men to, to really step up to the, to the plate here. And I'm going to show you men how you can step up to the plate so that your wife will come under that, that leadership. And here, here's the problem that happens in, in many marriages, in Christian marriages. The, the husband is, is, a, is a good dad. He's a good provider. He loves Jesus. But sometimes he's just not totally stepping up to the plate spiritually. So what you have the wife is you have the nagging wife behind the scene. And when he doesn't pray enough, and, he doesn't, and he, we need to go to church every week. And that's all the husband hears. And he doesn't hear any encouragement of the things that he is doing right and what he is doing well. And you need to encourage him in that way spiritually. Let him do it. It may not be in your timetable, the way you like it, or the way, God forbid, your dad did it. Okay, leave that. You're not under that covering anymore, right? Daddy's not there. You're under the covering of this now, right? So let's be careful here. So let me just give you some things here that, that are important. It's good that men provide financially, but also spiritually and emotionally. Am I caring for my wife? Am I listening? Am I caring? Am I protecting her? Here are some things you can do that, that, that brings that natural spiritual submission under that head. So let me just give you a couple things here, and I wanted to leave time at the end so we can, we, can, we can handle some of your questions here. So what are the men called to do? What is Paul telling the men to do as we submit in these relationships? Women, here it is. God, you need to submit, first of all, to men spiritually, your husband spiritually. So men are to lead spiritually. So how does this look? How are we to lead spiritually? How does this look? Well, practical things. Men are to pray with their wives. Men are to pray with their kids. That doesn't mean you have to do everything. Your wife can read Bible stories with your children. I love when my wife does that. Uh, they can take the lead in this. But when you're going to pray about something, just hold hands. I don't care if you hug each other. Just hold hands and just pray over your wife. It doesn't have to be some long prayer revival, okay? Just pray together. When you leave in the morning, just hold hands or hug and just pray for you. When you go to bed at night or whatever, whenever you get the time to do it, just pray over your wife. Now, wives, let your husbands do this. And don't say, well, gee, that wasn't long enough. <laughs> gee, that's it? That's all I get is that? Jeez. Okay, don't do that. Okay? Say thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, it was a little short, but they, hey, we got to start somewhere, right? Okay? Start somewhere. Let them take the role. So men lead spiritually that way. Women, let them lead that way spiritually. So pray with your wife, pray with your kids. Lead spiritually that way. The second thing I want you to look at, men, is also lead by being tender. What do I mean by that? This is a tough one for many men. Maybe your dad didn't hug you or kiss you or whatever, and you've got this macho attitude where I, I can't allow my emotions to be shown because that's not the way I was uh, raised. And so I'm, I'm very careful in the way I show my emotions or the way I hug my kids or 
kiss my kids or tell them that I love you. That's real difficult for me to do. And I understand for some of you it is. The way you were raised, your dad never said he loved you. Your dad never showed emotions. You never saw your dad cry. Now, listen, that's not necessarily a good thing either. Okay, listen, you all know me. I never cry. I never get emotional. You know me, all right? I just, okay? Um, and and, and I've got to control those emotions sometimes because I'm an emotional person. But listen, there's got to be a balance here. And that's not necessarily good where, where, where you just say, well, I'm just providing. No, you've got you to show it, but you've got to say it too. You've got to hug your kids. You've got to tell your wife you, you love her and, 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 and that you're happy with her. And she's the most beautiful woman in the whole world. You've you got to express that to your, to your kids, that you love them and, and you hug them. This, this macho attitude that we don't cry or hug or kiss, I just think is garbage. And there are times that we need to be firm and we need to discipline you know, I like to, you know, with my boys, I like to mess around with them. And we do guy things. I got two boys, you know, who can fart the loudest and all that stuff. We, we come on. You know, and Lily always wins. I mean, no, I mean, uh, so, you know, um, you know, we like to do guy things, you know, we like to fish, whatever. We just like to do guy things. That's okay. I mean, go for it. Um, the one thing I always remember about my dad is my dad would always hug me. And to this day, he still gives me a kiss on my cheek. My dad and Frank are they're the only men that can kiss me, all right? <laughs> Frank's Italian. If you do that, I might punch you. So, I mean, those are the only two. But, but listen, guys, there's got to be a tender part of your heart, too. There's got to be that tenderness where you're loving them. I heard this pastor say this, and it just convicted me. So I started doing it. Because I think we miss this in our day and age about how important for you fathers that have daughters, you know. And he said, man, you need to learn to date your daughters. Take them out on a date. Let her get dressed up. And show her what it means to be treated. Show her that there is no man that is good as your father. Show him right off the bat. Show him that this is, this is the epitome. And, and they're never going to match this. And uh, so we, you know, Lily and I, you know, started doing that. And we've gone, last couple of years, we've gone to, uh, um, you know, see a play at the Jiva Theater during Christmas time to see the Christmas Carol. It's funny. Uh, we went to the Christmas Carol last year, and she wanted to go to, to Basil, so we went to Basil. We saw about three or four people from the church in there, and they're like, where's your family? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, it's just me and Lily. We're just, we're on a date now. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, isn't that cute? You know, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's important that they see that. I, I, I um, you know, what was, uh, I remember this one time, um, we're at Disney World, and uh, Lily, I think, was five or six, and she wanted to see the uh, under-the-sea world, the, the, what's the mermaid? Ariel, thank you. She wanted to see Ariel. So the boys wanted to go throw up on the roller coaster, so Kathleen took the boys to go throw up on the roller coaster. And I said, I'll take Lily. I'll go wait five hours in line to take Lily to go, to go see the under-the-sea world with, with what's Ariel, the, the mermaid. So we're sitting there waiting in line. She's all excited. So finally we get to this big show. If you guys have ever seen it, it's really cool. It's this you know, whole dramatic theater thing. And I think mist is coming out and your seat moves and fish are floating in the air. And it's just, you know, you get soaked out. It's just rainy in there. It's really cool. It feels like you're right under the water. But what's really cool is we're sitting there. The coolest thing was not the show, but was looking at Lily. Because I'm watching her watch the show, and her eyes just lit up. I mean, she was just so into it. And as we're watching this, she just grabbed my hand and held my hand the whole time. So here I'm watching the show, and I'm not crying because of Ariel or the thematic <laughs> theme of it. I'm crying because I'm watching my daughter so enthused with the show. And, and listen, men, it's okay to be tender. Now, if you're sitting in the Little Mermaid show by yourself with other guys, okay? Houston, we've got a problem, okay? I give you full rights with your daughter to do those things, okay? 
And, uh, you know, it's okay. Maybe your, your daughter's not 10 years old. Maybe she's, she's 25. That's okay. Still go out with her and talk and chat and see how she's doing. Man, you've got to learn to be tender. See, the health of your family and marriage depends on obedience to this passage. So as wives submit to this headship, as God established, they're to love and respect their husbands as they're serving the Lord. And I know some of you, it's hard in your relationships today because just in a minute, we're going to answer some of your questions. That's, I think that was the theme that ran through all the questions. You're like, Pastor, that's great if my husband's doing this, but, but what if my husband's not doing it? How do I do it? You know, how do I love and respect in that situation? Because Paul still tells us to do that, to love and respect. He doesn't give conditions on it. He doesn't say, well, if they're blah, 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 blah. He says to love and, res- and or just to respect and honor them. The husbands are to love. The women are to respect and honor and to submit. He didn't say love. He said to honor, respect, and submit. And so we've, we've got to look at that and see how we can do that in the right way and then honor Christ. So listen, this is what Paul's saying as the example that he gives us with Christ. Remember, this is a voluntary submission. I can't force this on you. It can't be domineering. It can't be dominated over you. Husbands, you can't say to your wife, well, this is what pastor said. You've got to do it. If, the minute you're doing that, you, you don't even get the scripture anymore. You're not understanding Christ's submission to the Father and everything and how he became obedient even to death. So we need to remember that we submit because ultimately we are submitting to Christ. If we've got a problem with submission, it's a bigger problem with God and harmony. And what's going to happen is when we don't understand this submitting the context of a relationship within the couple, within the marriage relationship, we're going to have a bigger problem when it comes to the church and submitting to each other and serving each other because we're always going to want our own way. And so Paul's saying, listen, it starts right here in the, in the marriage relationships. That's where it's got to start. If it doesn't start there, then we're going to have problems in the church in a larger scale as we try to submit uh, to one another. So it's voluntary. It's saying, Lord, I want you to take my heart. And for some of you here today, you're, you're struggling loving um, your spouse today because of that. And I just want to tell you, get the heart of God in that situation and begin to love them with the love of Christ. That's where it has to start. And um, if it doesn't start there, you're going to struggle with, with bitterness and unforgiveness in those situations. That's what it means to respect and to honor. You, you almost have to do it with like, you know, Lord, I'm going to do this because I just love you and I know this is what you want me to do. And it becomes total self-sacrificing even when you don't, even when it's not reciprocated back to you. And I know that's a struggle for some of you here today. All right. So we're going to answer some of your questions. Are you guys ready? No. Okay. Well, then let's pray. Okay. Um, What I want to do is some of these questions, obviously, I know they were written by uh, a lot of women uh, that have some struggles in here. So... I talked to Kathleen the other day. I said, Kathleen, I'm not a woman, and you may better relate to some of the, some of the ladies in our church, so I'm going to ask my lovely wife to come up here, and she's going to help me answer some of these questions. So let's give my wife just a warm welcome. She comes and shares. Thanks, honey. Isn't she lovely? Okay. What we did, we had a lot of questions. How you doing, honey? Good to see you. She's a little nervous. She's a, this is a huge step for Kath. I'm proud of her. Okay. All right. So what we did, we went over some of these questions. I had Kathleen read, read some of the questions. And um, I wanted her to help you answer these from, from a woman's perspective. And I'm, I'm hoping this, this, this helps some of you 
you hear, oh, good, we're doing good on time, honey. Okay, so, great. so you got, you got it. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down here, honey. I'm just gonna let you go. No. Okay. So let let's look at. I'm gonna ask the first question. Okay. What what if my spouse? And this was a common theme that kind of ran through many of the questions. Um, what if my spouse? And 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 you have two Christian couples here. You have two people that 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 are following Christ. What if my spouse is not leading spiritually? I mean, what, what are some things that a wife can do to, to, to help her husband in that, in that helping him to take that, that spiritual role? Um, I know you kind of touched on that um, when you spoke this morning. I know, I'm sorry. Yeah, we were talking about okay. this morning. I'm like, it just near my mind. But um, it really is just being patient. Um, 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 <laughs> I look out there. I lose my train of thought. <laughs> but... Um, you know, um, encouraging him, like you were saying, um, if he prays for um, dinner, um, just, you know, say thanks, hon. You know, I appreciate you just um, leading yeah. this morning um, for dinner or praying. Yeah. and Just being patient, seeing the good things being positive when right. he does, um, takes a lead. Even if it's something small, like even praying with the kids real quick before they go to school. Just say, you know, thank you. Yeah. What, what, what if you've got a, 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 a wife, a lack of a better word, that's um, uh, strong? Is there a better word than yeah. strong? What if you got a wife that's that's you got the husband that's more quiet and you've got the I'm trying to be delicate here, okay? I'm just trying to be careful. So just lead, that that wants to domineer the relationship and not allowing her husband to lead spiritually. Well, um, a lot of times when women have a strong personality, they're like, "Why well, want my husband to take the stronghold?" But <laughs> they're not letting him. Um, I, then my first question would be: Is are you giving him the opportunity to do that? Yeah. You know, because a lot of times they're like complaining. He never does, but and then when he does, they can nag or nagging. Okay. Just kind of what you touched on this morning. So, so for those women that that are strong-willed that way, I'm not saying it's a bad, necessarily a bad thing. Okay, so. That's how usually marriages yeah. work. There's always one strong person and one, right. um, you know, that's yeah. how God puts us together a lot of times. Yeah. So, so if you happen to be the woman that's a strong, that you just... Um, and it works both ways. Because if you have the husband that's really strong and he's domineering or smothering the marriage, you need to be careful, too, that, that, that point number two, you're being tender. You need to step back a little bit. And I think sometimes uh, for men, speaking from a guy's point of view, we don't allow our, our wives to blossom we don't allow them to to be used by the Lord and to encourage them. Because so I think sometimes we're just into our own thing and then our wives are excited about something and we may pour water on it. I think it's good that as the head or the covering from the husband too, as from the wife, as you encourage your husband to lead spiritually if he's not doing that. On the flip side too, husband, if you're smothering your wife and not letting her do anything, you know, um, that's not good either. So you need to be... You, you need to be your wife's biggest cheerleader. If, if she's excited about something, then you need to be excited about that thing too, especially when it comes to the things of the Lord. If she wants to go to a Bible study and you say, no, I can't because I can't watch the kids on Thursday nights. I, you know, I've got to go to my uh, bowling night or I've got archery or I've got, I'm going to go fishing. That would be my excuse. I've got to go fishing. Um, or I've got something else to do and so I can't watch the kids. You know, that's smothering her and not allowing her to be with other ladies or to get encouraged. You, you need to, on the other hand, to encourage her to back her up on those things and let her blossom and not, not allow her to be suffocated. Amen. All right, good. See, it's not... And nagging. Oh. Nagging, I was thinking nagging. too. Nagging, okay. Yeah, I know. You touched on that. Yeah. Nagging. Okay. Which Kathleen never does, by the way. She never does. <laughs> good way. Okay. All right. Another question came is, how do we break away from pride or stubbornness within our marriages? Maybe there's a, a root of bitterness or pride that's entered into the relationship that's caused a division within a relationship. That was a question that was asked. How do we, from a, a woman's point of view, how would you deal with that? Um, I think when you um, feel like you, there's, um, you have that pride issue, is the first thing is to admit that you're wrong, you know, um, ask for forgiveness. I think that's the first step in becoming humble is when you say, you know, hon, I, I, um, I should, I, I reacted or I should have done this way. And once you, you put your defenses out and put them down to say, I'm sorry, or I've done this mm -hmm. wrong, okay. it ultimately puts you to their level and they can, then you can talk, right, you good. know? Yeah. I think sometimes, and maybe things have happened years in the past or 
past relationships or whatever, that, that root of bitterness comes in and that stubbornness comes in that I'm not going to give an inch. I'm going to dig my heels in. And it becomes a real blocking mechanism for communication and for love to flow. So that's good. So I think humility, offering forgiveness first, because sometimes I think we're waiting for the other person to come up to us first. I ain't doing anything wrong. I'm good in this whole thing. So I'm just waiting for them to get it right. And so then you bring them tapes of my messages. You know, listen to this. Listen to what pastor said about this. Okay? Okay? And then about 19 minutes and 32 seconds into the message, he was directly speaking to you, I believe. The Holy Spirit told me this. So you need to listen to that. And then you need to come and apologize. Okay, let's be careful with that. I think when... Like Kathleen's right. I think when we humble ourselves right off the bat and we say, listen, I'm not perfect here. I've made a lot of mistakes in this relationship. I think it opens up the floodgate for, for Christ to come in and bring healing uh, and forgiveness to that relationship. All right. Okay, here, some of you are college students or wanting to become married, and this was a question. Kathleen, from a, from a woman's perspective, what, what advice or wisdom could you give to college students or those that are, are looking to, you know, to get married, what, what, are, what, what should they be looking for in a, in a spouse? I mean, what are some? Um, I think, first of all, don't feel like you have to date. You, yeah, know? Um, you know, a lot of times you, you want to find somebody, you just want to start dating people so you can find it, start eliminating people. And I think that's, never feel pressure to date. But I think if you find someone, I think definitely a believer, mm-hmm. definitely um, not to be unlikely yoked. Um, someone that you, a friendship. I think one of the things that definitely attracted me to Bard, and, and we weren't even looking to date, is just that we just we had a good friendship. I mean, I thought it was a good look. It was just, I mean, I, we dated actually, if you know a little bit of our story, in high school. And she and broke up in, with me, by the way. So, just, uh, so in high school, I mean, he was just always someone that you, we just would start off as a friendship and we would laugh. <laughs> We could laugh and just, we just had a lot of fun. You know, we just goofed yeah. off and picked on each other and, and we could talk and stuff. And, um, and actually I always held that on when I went off to college, I, you know, dated here a little bit here and there, not much, but, um, you know, and I always remembered the friendship I had with Brian. I couldn't find it with someone else. So I think friendship with, um, uh, someone else is a, definitely a key and yeah. definitely the most number one is believer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, if, if you're seeking the Lord first, don't worry about look. I mean, obviously, if your your heart's correct before the Lord and you're seeking the Lord with your whole heart and you're you're putting Him first, um, that person that that um, that that ever you want to date, you're going to have the same interests and the same desires because your desire is first for the Lord. Listen, if you're in a relationship and you're arguing all the time, a little piece of paper in a marriage ain't going to solve that arguing. It's going to escalate it. So you got to say. I would tell you, if you're in a relationship like that, run for the hills, okay? Just put it aside. It ain't going to get better. If it's not getting better now, don't think it's going to get better. You're going to have years of problems uh, with that. So just uh, be aware of that and and, and doing that and, and, and keep the relationship pure. That's the best thing I could tell you. Keep it pure before the Lord, and God blesses you when, when you do that. So um, the question was about dating versus courting. You know, it, it, here, here's the thing. If you're in a relationship, and it, it, the longer you're in that relationship, the more com- comfortable you become with each other and the more you let your defenses down. And that's where you've got to really guard your heart against those things. And uh, I think, I don't know if you mentioned it, but one of the things, as you're looking for that partner, uh, look for somebody with all the qualities that you want to marry. Why waste your time on something that is not even something that is desirable or what you're looking for in a mate? That doesn't mean you're not going to marry that person, but why not look for the qualities right off the bat of someone? Don't People waste so much time in relationships that waste their time and, and take them out of different seasons of life that God desires them to be in. So just look for the person that you know is going to meet those standards and qualities of a, of a godly person, a godly woman or, or a godly male. Yeah. And even when we were dating, I always appreciate Bar, and we try to do Bible studies and pray, and that's definitely um, 
you know, if you're looking for a believer, make sure that they're living it out in their life. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, he's yeah. a believer and he goes to church, but, you know, what's their fruit in their life? I yeah. mean, does he talk about, you know, reading the word or praying and maybe, you know, Lord, I'm, can you pray with me about this? Or just those little things are little tidbits to say, okay, yeah. is this person really living out their faith? That's, a, that's what you want, yeah. you know. Preach it, sister. All right. I like that. <laughs> All right. Some of you have asked the question uh, about divorce and remarriage, and this is obviously a huge topic in the church today, and um, <clears throat> I just really appreciated this one question that, that uh, someone wrote about, my spouse left me, filed for divorce years ago, I wasn't walking with the Lord, some years later I remarried, I have a good marriage now, but still feel condemned and not fully forgiven uh, for being remarried. Jesus said if a man divorces his wife, uh, except for adultery, he forces her to commit adultery if she remarries. Now, let me just say this. In the context of that verse, Jesus is talking to the hardness of the Pharisees' hearts. There was two schools of thought, rabbinical schools of thought when it came to divorce. One was like, if your wife burns the toast, you can divorce her. And the other came where Jesus took this very hard stance when he says, listen, what God brings together, let no man put it thunder. And he wanted to challenge the mindset of the Pharisees of the lackadaisicalness of their mindset of marriage. And Jesus takes them right back to Genesis and tells them, this is how important marriage is. So for some of you here today, you know, that had been divorced and you've been remarried, listen, there's repentance and there's forgiveness from the Lord and you can find freedom. And within that, that relationship, that new married relationship, um, do everything possible to allow God to be glorified in that relationship. So for this person, yeah, you're, you're, you, you are doing it uh, correctly. You're doing it correctly. So remember that Jesus is speaking to the hardness, hardness of, of, of their hearts and, and how disobedient they were to God and really to his word. So Jesus made, makes a very hard stance there. And uh, their, their hearts weren't repentant. Uh, they weren't willing to listen to the Lord. They're very religious on the outside, but their hearts weren't tender on the inside. And so Jesus spoke to their religiosity, uh, per se, and, and, and speaking to, well, Moses let us do it. And, Mo, and Jesus says, yeah, Moses allowed you to get a certificate of divorce because of the hardness of your hearts. Okay, so for those of you that are here today and you feel condemned about the past relationships or, or relationships that have gone wrong, here's the good news. Here's the gospel message. You can say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't do correctly this way. I made a lot of mistakes. I got, whether you got married, whatever reasons you got married or whatever reasons the, uh, the marriage broke up or whatever, listen, find your life in Christ. Find your forgiveness. You repent before and say, God, I did this wrong, and I need your healing touch here, and I need you to cleanse me in this, in this uh, relationship, and I need you to cleanse me in my relationship with you, and there is freedom. For those of you, and here's the other, here's the other vein. For those of you that are in a relationship, I would encourage you in a marriage relationship that, that is very rocky, I would encourage you all the more to seek out help and do all that you can. If a spouse leaves, they leave. There's not, nothing you can do about that. But if a, a spouse is open to, to, to uh, reconciliation and, and is open to repentance, don't shut your heart to that. Now you're hardening your heart to the Lord. Don't harden your heart to the Lord. No matter what, but you say, well, 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 Pastor, what if they do it all over again? That's not for me to decide. All I can tell you is this person's willing to repent and wanting to restore this covenant relationship and you need to do all you can to try to restore that. Even if you don't feel the feelings because there's such distraught within the relationship, if there's a humbling of the heart, God can do miracles. I believe that. God can restore. Listen, I was part, my, my parents went through a very rocky time when I was about 10 years old and I saw how God restored my parents' relationship and how both of them came to know Christ. And, and uh, I know some of you have been through some very traumatic things, but God can restore too. So you gotta put your hope in Christ. You can't change a person's heart, only God can do that, right? And the only thing you can do within that relationship is pray and seek the face of God. So, so find your forgiveness in the Lord, amen? And, and when you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of, of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen? Was that okay, Kathleen? Did you want to add anything to that? All right. Okay.
I want to finish with this question because this was a tough one. Um, and obviously it's coming from, from what happened last week in my message last week. It said, what if a spouse is in a contractual marriage and doesn't want anything to do with a covenantal marriage? So you, you're, you, one, one of the spouses understand that it's a covenant relationship, it's a self-sacrifice relationship, but the other one doesn't want to be part of it. Uh, and what if we are unequally yoked? What do I do? What if the husband's into pornography? What if I caught him on pornography, uh, uh, using pornography? Um, what do I do? How do I feel secure financially, emotionally, um, when my spouse is not walking with the Lord? Great, great question. What do you do in those situations? It's a tough one. Here's the thing I want you to see in this, in this particular situation. You've got to seek the face of the Lord. And, and, and you have to um, allow God to touch your husband's heart. Here's the thing. For those, for those of you wives that have, have, have caught your husbands with, with pornography, which is just an epidemic, um, you need to have a heart-to-heart conversation. And, and, and there are, are ways that we can help as the church in those situations through small groups, uh, through men's groups, through the way out group, small group we have. We have things that God can restore. And, and, and I, I personally know men in our church that have struggled with pornography, that through repentance God has healed them and they've come out of that addictive lifestyle and it's restored the marriage. So I know God can do it. But for you as a wife, you've got to be praying for that husband. And you, you've got to seek the face of the Lord in that situation. And you've got to have a heart-to-heart in that you know that it's out in the open, that, that this is something that cannot happen within the marriage because it's, it's tearing the marriage apart and, 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 and allowing God to come into that situation and bring healing and, and reconciliation. Um, you know, uh, pornography is just it's, it's another woman. That's all it is. And it, it destroys, and you may think, well, that's just something that's uh, just happening with me in the screen. I'm not actually having a relationship with, with another woman. But, but Jesus even said, if you've lusted in your heart, if you've lusted in your heart after another woman, you've committed the act of adultery. And so this is a serious thing, and that maybe that needs to be elevated with, with the spouse, that this is a serious thing. On the flip side, here's, here's on the other side. For, for you, let me reiterate this again, for you, for you spouses to encourage your husbands that aren't leading that way spiritually. Here's what the Bible says. If you're in that type of relationship, the Bible says that you, the spouse, are to live that example before them. You live your life in purity. You live your life before the Lord that that spouse can see that example, the Bible tells us, so that they in turn will come to know Christ through your example. And, and that's not by cramming the Bible down their throat and you know, telling them they're going to hell in a handbasket. That's by praying for them, having open dialogue with them, telling them that you're committed to the marriage covenant, even though they aren't, but you are committed to it because ultimately you're honoring Christ. And I, listen, for some you're like, well, pastor, that doesn't make me happy. Well, have you ever thought about this? Did God really design marriages necessarily to be happy or to make you holy? That's one thing we learn in some of our marriage classes. Maybe God has you in that relationship for this season to allow you to pray and to seek his face. And I'm not saying that's easy, and I don't want to sit there and just eliminate your pain and your struggle through that, but you are in that covenant relationship, and you need to be firm, and you need to stand strong in the Lord and allow the Lord Jesus to give you uh, his desires and to give you your identity in that relationship as you pray for that spouse. Uh, you know, I just, I want, you know, uh, I, I want Kathleen just to speak to that a minute because they were, you know, her family, it was difficult. When they first got saved, you know, Kathleen, her sister and her mom got saved and they were the radically saved. I think they went to church like 15 times a week and uh, her dad really struggled with that and it caused a lot of animosity within in the family and uh, I, I have a lot of um, respect for Kathleen's mom um, and the way she handled that for years. She had to live with an unbeliever until about the last week of his life he did accept the Lord. But just... Yeah, well, that's what my heart goes out to, um, you know, a woman whose husband, or vice versa, a spouse is not saved because 
um, I got saved when I was a teenager, and my mom did first, then my sister, and then myself. And, you know, we just thought, oh, my dad's going to get saved now. And we just would talk about church. And, you know, it's because you're kind of new in the Lord. You, we didn't know. And, you know, and it, and I grew up in, um, in seeing them an unequally yoked marriage. And it was hard on my mom. And we know the mistakes we made. I know she did. You know, we came on too strong at first. And we were church so much that it became a wedge wedge a little bit between my parents and um he would take it on my mom a lot but um but you know as we grew and stuff i she realized she just had to live by example and i mean we prayed all the time and i don't want to get emotional about it but you know it wasn't hard it was hard for my mom you know as a i would see my dad take it on my mom a lot and stuff and any little thing it was sometimes it was like eggshells in our family walking on eggshells but you know she just stuck it out she really did and she prayed for him and we just you know you know he did like Barton said he did come to the Lord at the end of his life and it wasn't it wasn't easy we were hoping a lot sooner but the the the, the miracle as he did we never thought he would so yeah. and here's the thing I appreciate how your mom handled that yeah her mom didn't alienate her husband because she didn't hold it against him by saying well you're not a Christian and I'm not going to and I'd always know they always went out to dinner on uh, Thursday nights or Friday nights. They always yeah. went to dinner together, and they would camp together. Yeah, as they got older, yeah. and then I got we got married. She really lived it out more, even before them. Yeah. And they went out and did things because it was just the two of them, you know. And yeah, they, so she they kept found the relation- the com- She found common ground with. That's them. huge. I think that's huge. She found common ground, even in the difficultness of not receiving from a husband that could give to her spiritually. She found that common ground. Yeah. Um, of of mutual things that they like yeah. to do. My my dad actually liked to fish too, and that's. <laughs> but um, kinda, she yeah. she didn't like it, but she would go with them. But then yeah. and they we as a family we used to camp a lot together. So they started camping again. They bought a tent. We just had a camper, but they yeah. went to a tent and started off. And she just did what she could. And you know, I think I know she can look back and glad oh, yeah. she did that because, you know, who knew would have known he would have got cancer and all. But you right. know. It was hard, but um, I just my mom's definitely an example of that. Yeah, t- mm-hmm. t- huge support, and that's what I appreciate about your mom. She's part of a prayer group that would pray for unsafe spouses, and she was part yeah. of that for years. She did. She had a group of friends that she would meet with weekly, and they, some of their spouses weren't safe too, and they would yeah. just pray. Just pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they gave Carol, your mom, a lot of um, encouragement yeah. to be in the church and be part of that, and. I really saw her love her husband through a lot. And, you know, her dad was a nice guy, a great provider for the family. Yeah, he was a great dad. Man's mm-hmm. man, you know, liked to fish. Mm-hmm. He liked to fish. I liked that. We <laughs> fish a lot. In fact, I have his, his, in fact, I have his fishing boat. He gave it to me. And uh, so that, that's good, Kat. That's good. That's good, honey. I, 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 and I think for some, I hope that encourages some of you here today that maybe you feel, you know, that's just you've been going through that and, and find that common ground, find that commonality that will... Um, keep that relationship going and that I think where there's grace, where grace abounds, where grace abounds, I think there's forgiveness and we can cover that multitude of sin that can occur in relationships and find healing. So, amen. Amen. Good. Well, um, honey, why don't you, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray for, for the couples today and for, for marriages? Just pray and then we've got a video I'm going to, I'm going to show. Thank you. You did a great job. You're awesome. You did a good job. Thanks, honey. Let's pray. Let's just pray. Just ask God. It's the test. Thank you. Um, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for, I thank you for the, these couples and whether they're married, dating, single, Lord, at this point, Lord, yes. they're here today, Lord. I just pray you encourage them where they're at, Lord. If they're looking for a spouse, Lord, let them not become anxious, Lord, but just rest in you. And, Lord, you just, Lord, just let them know, Lord, that you have your plans are all laid out for them, Lord. And those who are married, Lord, today, Lord, I just thank you for their marriage. If, if they are both saved, Lord, just what a blessing that is, Lord. And and then we can all grow. And, and I just even pray for those who are unequally yoked, Lord, right now today, or, or the marriage are really struggling, Lord. Lord, I just pray that they'll find some encouragement today, Lord, yes. and that they will just maybe just take some steps, Lord, in you, Lord. They'll just reach out, Lord, something that you haven't done before, Lord, and they will just see a difference, Lord. I pray for that. I just encourage them. I just pray for this, Lord, and and um, I just thank, thank you, Jesus. Lord. Thank you for this series and, and um, what you're doing, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, honey. Wasn't that hard, was it? Okay, good, good job. So I want to do, I just, in closing, I want to, I just, there's a, there's a great song right now on the radio. It's by Sanctus Real, and it's, it's called Lead Me. And uh, if I'm driving the car and you see me crying, it's because I'm listening to this song. It's about, it's about one of the band members who just felt the, his, his, his marriage getting pulled apart. And it's a song from his heart about how God wanted him to lead his marriage and his children and his girls. I just wanted to show it closing. I hope it, I hope it blesses you and just encourages you. So go ahead and look up at the screens as we close. Thanks. Thank you, God, for your healing touch. Thank you, Lord, for restoring us and redeeming us. And Lord, I just pray for every couple here today, Lord, that we would just kind of change the roadmap maybe that we're on today. Maybe we need to change lanes. 
change course, change directions. Lord, I just pray that uh, you'd bring that healing, that we'd take that first step like Kathleen prayed. So we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that no one walks away feeling condemned, but, Lord, they walk away feeling encouraged on maybe some of the changes that need to occur in their life. And we thank you, Lord, that you are tender with us, that it's through your compassion and your patience that leads us to repentance. And so, Lord, I just pray that for every heart here today, that you would break, that you would shape, that you would mold, that you would tenderize through your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we work through these things. Lord, I thank you for every couple here today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you do for us each and every day. Thank you for the example that we ultimately have in Jesus Christ, who is ultimately our healer and our savior. So we just give you our lives. Thank you for this time. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. It was good. All right. Listen, go in God's grace. Have a good day today. If anyone needs prayer, prayer partners will be up front. Love to pray with you for anything. Otherwise, go in God's grace. God bless you guys. Have a good one.